BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Himalaya. You're listening to Think Like an Economist, a Himalaya learning production. For exclusive content like bonus episodes and supplemental materials for this podcast and others like it, go to Himalaya.com slash econ and enter promo code econ, E-C-O-N, at checkout to get your first 14 days free. It's time to think like an economist. The sparkling milk is one of those drinks that's kind of fun and unique. Kind of makes people go wow when they taste it because it's so different. It's espresso over sparkling water with condensed milk and maple syrup added to it. And then kind of whipped up a little bit to get a little bit of that foam. And it's just really, really a, a really cool drink. Hi, my name is Samir Benoir. I am the owner of Milka Coffee Roasters here in Sacramento, California. We are a specialty coffee roaster. Our friend Samir in California makes some really delicious drinks, and some of them have pretty unique ingredients, too. The maple latte, actually, is kind of by and large our big seller. This is something different that's not at other stores, and... Maple goes really well with coffee. (laughs) The maple latte is $6. So we sell donuts, cookies, lemon bars, and a little bit healthier thing that we call the Hero Bar, which is kind of like a zucchini, carrot, raisin cake. Mmm, zucchini, carrot, raisin cake. As the owner of a small business, Samir has to make a lot of decisions. What types of coffee to make, what snacks to sell, when to be open, how much staff and equipment to have, and how much to charge people for all these different products. These are the sorts of decisions that sellers make when they're thinking of how much of something to supply. And supply is the topic of this week's episode of Think Like an Economist. I'm Betsy Stevenson. And I'm Justin Wolfers. And this is the podcast where we'll help you to turbocharge your decision-making and transform your life by learning to think like an economist. As usual, Nazdaran Tavakoli-Far joins us. Justin, Betsy, we've talked about demand. Let's get into supply. What exactly are we talking about? Well, demand was all about the choices buyers make. Supply is about the choices that sellers, like Samir, make. Now, in the next episode, we're going to put supply and demand together because that's what determines the price that you'll end up paying for a cup of coffee. But for now, let's master thinking like a seller. Samir sells coffee and a range of other snacks, so he's a supplier. What are we trying to learn from Samir when it comes to thinking like a seller? We want to see how much coffee Samir is willing to sell at different prices. And we're going to use the core principles to see how he makes his decisions. But does Samir really get to control how much coffee he sells? I mean, doesn't it depend on how many customers visit his cafe? 
It does depend on how many customers visit his cafe, but Samir gets to choose how many hours to stay open each day. The longer he's open, the more customers he'll get. The more customers he gets, the more cups of coffee he sells. So the way he can control how much coffee he sells is by choosing how many hours to be open or how much staff to have in his shop. I'm guessing that the higher the price of coffee, the longer he'll stay open so he can make more money that way. A typical cup of coffee at Milka is $5, but with tip and tax added, which we actually include into our price. And we are open 12 hours a day, seven days a week. Probably the biggest thing that goes into the cost of coffee would be labor and ingredients. An economist might ask how Samir's choices would change at different prices. If a typical cup of coffee was to cost $3, how many hours do you think Milka would be open? If a cup of coffee were $3, I don't think we would be able to uh, be open. I don't think it would be sustainable. I don't even think we could pay all of our vendors and our rent with that sort of drink price. What if the typical cup of coffee was $4? $4 would probably be a stretch. There would be no profit margin and I would you know, be living out of my van and trying to, you know, not that I have a van, but you know what I mean? It would be me taking the hit because all of the things cost about that. And then, then I also want to take a little bit so that I can, you know, pay my rent. So a profit margin is what's left over when you sell something and take out the costs. Samir told me the main cost for a cup of coffee are the wages he pays his baristas and the cost of the ingredients. Right. So if the price is too low, say 3 or $4 a cup, then Samir says he won't even be covering his marginal costs or making any profits. And therefore, it's not worth running the business at all. So you said that a typical cup is currently about $5. If a typical cup was $8, how many hours do you think you guys would be open? If coffee was $8 a cup, we would be open a little bit later and definitely open a second shop. In Sacramento, I would say there is actually a late night coffee market, especially on the weekends. We currently stay open until 6 p.m. If coffee was $8 a cup, we would stay open until 11 p.m. If we can bring that typical sale up from $8 to $9 to $10, then we can start to put more money in like our labor costs or put more money into our expansion fund. I mean, if if I'm really lucky, we can add more money into my profit. <laughs> that would <laughs> be nothing ideal. wrong with that. <laughs> so Samir has just shown us the law of supply. This basically says that sellers tend to supply a larger quantity when the price is higher. It makes sense. When coffee is pricier, it's more profitable for Samir. When it's only $3 a cup, Samir doesn't open his shop at all. As the price goes up, he opens the shop for longer so that he can sell more cups of coffee. If the price is high enough, he's even ready to think about opening another store. So we can really understand what's going on here. How do we apply the core principles? Well, Samir's making plans for how many cups of coffee to sell if the price is $3 or $5 or $8. I hope that you'll recognize that this is a how many question. So we should start with the marginal principle. This leads Samir to ask whether it's worth staying open a bit longer to sell one more cup of coffee. The cost-benefit principle says you should only do something if the benefit exceeds the cost. 
The marginal benefit from producing one more cup is how much money Samir will get from selling that extra coffee. At $8 a cup, he's willing to open for longer hours to sell more coffee because the marginal benefit from that high price will easily cover his marginal costs. So Samir said his main costs are wages and what he pays for the ingredients. But I'm thinking there are other costs too, things such as rent for the shop. Samir's answer is actually pretty smart. He's focusing on his marginal costs, the extra cost of producing one more cup of coffee. The extra cup is going to cost him a bit more in staff time and a bit more in ingredients, but it won't affect the rent he pays. Really what he's doing is applying the opportunity cost principle. This is that or what question. He's thinking about staying open longer to sell more coffee. His or what is the next best alternative, which is not staying open longer, which means not selling more coffee. He won't have to pay extra wages and he won't have to pay for extra beans. But either way, he'll still have to pay his rent. That's why when we're thinking about our marginal costs, we should only factor in our variable costs. These are the costs we incur if we produce more. Paying for an extra hour from a barista or more ingredients for more coffee These are variable costs. They're the costs that vary with how many coffees Samir sells. If he sells more coffee, he'll need to pay for more staff, buy more coffee beans, buy more cups. So Samir's focusing on his variable costs, but as opposed to what? Fixed costs. These don't change if you supply more or less. Samir's rent will stay the same if the shop opens for 12 hours a day, 3 hours a day, or even if it doesn't open at all. Samir only needs to think about the fixed costs when he decides whether it's worth opening another shop. A higher coffee price might just lead him to open that next location. But as he noted, what he'd first do is start saving and making sure that the higher price is there to stay. OK, so we now know what Samir would do if the price were higher. He also said that at $3 a cup, he doesn't think he could stay in business. You know, for any company, there's a point where the price is so low that your best choice is just to minimise your losses and shut down. At $4 a cup, Samir sounded really hesitant. I'm not sure he wants to live in a van, but he does love his business. At that point, the opportunity cost that's weighing on Samir is what else he could be doing with his time. After all, instead of running his own business, he could take a job with a salary. Maybe he'd be an executive at Starbucks. So an important opportunity cost for Samir is the salary he gives up. And that helps explain why the law of supply applies across the entire market. It's not just that a higher price will lead Samir and other cafe owners to supply more coffee. In addition, owning a cafe becomes more profitable, so more folks will get in on the coffee-selling game. Add up all the coffee that these cafes supply, and you'll see that the higher the price of coffee, the more that they'll collectively supply. Okay, so we've looked at the marginal principle, the cost-benefit principle, and the opportunity cost principle, as they relate to supply. How about the interdependence principle? We'll come to that soon. But first, let's see where those three principles lead us. It's a big conclusion called the rational rule for sellers. You should sell more as long as the price exceeds the marginal cost. It's actually a really handy rule. Sellers want to make money, so Samir will keep his shop open later if he can make enough money to offset his marginal costs. And that's the logic behind the law of supply. The higher the price, the more likely you are to cover the marginal costs of selling one more cup. Hey, 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So I have to say, Samir seems really organised. He's done some really detailed calculations. Realistically, are most sellers this organised? Well, some are and some aren't. Big corporations typically have entire departments that do really detailed analytics about their costs and profits at different prices. Smaller businesses don't really have the time or the staff for this, but they'll experiment and adjust accordingly. Say a coffee shop may open for six hours a day and then switch to seven hours a day and see if it was worth it. They don't think they're following the rational rule, but in reality they are. In fact, market forces can help weed out bad managers. Those who don't follow the rational rule for sellers won't be making as much money as those who are. So in many cases, they won't be profitable enough to stay in business. In the extreme, only those managers who follow the rational rule will survive. So we've looked at changes in the price for coffee and how many hours Samir's willing to open his shop or how much coffee he's up for supplying. Are there other factors other than the price that will impact supply? Quite a few. And here's where the interdependence principle becomes helpful. The choices that other businesses make will affect Samir's supply decisions. The first factor that impacts how much coffee Samir supplies is the cost of inputs. You heard Samir say that the most important marginal costs for his businesses are wages and ingredients. If coffee beans become more expensive, then it costs more for him to make a cup of coffee. Those extra costs may make it unprofitable to stay open as long. Next, it really matters how productive a business is, which is shaped by the technology it uses. Say Samir follows Starbucks and replaces his manually operated espresso machines with automatic ones. He'll be able to make more coffees per hour without hiring more staff. Oh, so because each cup now requires less staff time, his marginal costs have fallen. And this makes it more likely it'll be profitable for him to stay open later. That's right. Remember the interdependence principle is all about the connections between different markets. We've just seen how the markets for the input Samir uses matters. So does the market for other things a supplier could be selling. I'm still thinking about the hero bars he makes, which really sound delicious. While Samir loves coffee, if the price of hero bars rises, he may focus on making and selling more of them, as they'll be more profitable. Ah, so the price of other things that Samir's business could sell affects how much he'll focus on producing coffee versus those other goods. Yes, the price of related outputs represents an important opportunity cost. He could have his employees focus more on baking and selling hero bars instead of making and selling coffee. So when the price of hero bars goes up, so does the opportunity cost of selling coffee. Next, the interdependence principle also reminds us that our decisions are linked across time, which is why expectations matter. If the price of something is low today, you could decide to stock up on it and sell it next year when you expect the price may go up again. Now, this only works with goods you can store. Samir can't hang on to a cup of coffee and sell it tomorrow. But the coffee bean sellers he buys from can choose to store their beans to sell later if they think that the price will rise in the future. And if it becomes easier to open a shop, then I guess more people might become coffee sellers, perhaps? 
Yes, this takes us to our final point when it comes to the interdependence principle. The number of sellers. There are more people selling coffee. The total market-wide supply of coffee will be greater. We've just explored supply. Let's summarize. Supply is all about selling or production decisions. And the law of supply tells us that the higher the price, the greater the quantity that businesses will supply. And if you want to make smart selling decisions, follow the rational rule for sellers, which says to sell one more item as long as the price exceeds the marginal cost. And remember, smart sellers focus on their variable costs rather than their fixed costs. If you're analyzing a market, realize that price isn't the only thing that affects the quantity of goods that sellers will supply. It also depends on the cost of inputs, how efficiently those inputs are used, on the price of related goods sellers could focus on instead, on expectations, and just on how many sellers there are. Is there anything you want us to get thinking about over the next couple of days? Look, a lot of people understand demand well because they're used to thinking about themselves as buyers. But today is about supply. In reality, nearly all of us are suppliers in some context. So over the next few days, think about the different ways that you act as a supplier. As a supplier of labour, as a supplier of attention to advertisers, or even as a supplier of love and care to those around you. And as you identify the roles you play as a supplier, check whether your decisions are guided by your marginal costs. Are there other factors that affect your supply decisions? And ask yourself, could you make better choices if you thought a bit harder about the rational rule for sellers? You know, I don't think I've ever thought of myself as a seller, so I'm going to give that a try. Betsy, Justin, thank you for teaching us how to think like an economist. Well, Naz, I'm glad that you're going to start thinking about yourself as a seller. And thanks for supplying your voice to today's podcast. To get the most out of this show, check out our bonus episodes and supplemental materials available only on the Himalaya Learning Platform. Himalaya Learning provides bite-sized courses from world-class thinkers and industry experts such as Ariana Huffington, Malcolm Gladwell, Tim Ferriss, and more for you to enjoy in the app, on the go. To get the most out of this podcast and others like it, go to Himalaya.com econ and enter promo code econ, E-C-O-N, at checkout for your first 14 days free. It's time to think like an economist.